so <laughs> the girl that I was watching, like, I think I've mentioned, she doesn't really like sleep during her nap time anymore. Oof. No sleeping during nap time. No, it's fine. Like she like will sing and play with her stuffed animals and whatever. But today I guess she did fall asleep, but she did not fall asleep on her bed. So I, I go upstairs to like look for her, like to, to wake her up because it's it's awake time. That means like time for her to have a snack. Um, and like her parents are gonna come home pretty soon. Um, and I walk into her bedroom and I don't see her. Like go over to the bed, like look under the covers, go in the closet. I'm like, huh, where could she be? Blood her pressure going up at this point, mine probably would be. <laughs> I mean, I was like, there can't, like, she can't have come downstairs and, like, gone out the door while I was sitting down there. Like, it's not possible. Mm. <laughs> it's probably fine. She's upstairs somewhere. <laughs> and so I start, like, I look in her closet. I go into her brother's room, um, go into her parents' room. Mm. Not, not anywhere to be found. And then I go back into her room, and I'm like... I wonder. Like, and, and at no point are you freaking out like, ooh, I may have to call the cops. Like, this is going to be bad. No, she didn't jump out the window. No, I don't know. I, I'm neurotic. That's just the first place I go. Like, something's really wrong. I can't find the, the kid. I can't. No, I was I was scared for a second. I was like, okay, she, like, I really, I wasn't doing anything downstairs where I wouldn't have noticed her walking downstairs. So I was like, where is she? And I like, I'm looking at her bed and I get it, get down on the ground and I look underneath her bed and there she is passed out, She's passed out underneath her bed. Underneath her bed? Yes. <laughs> she was literally just lying on her stomach underneath her bed. <laughs> Well, look, at least you found her. That's good news. I found her. She was fine. She was... If, if you had lost her, we wouldn't be allowed to do this podcast. I'm pretty sure that's a thing. I'm pretty sure, yeah, I would I would be in jail or something. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to No Good Parents, and I'm Ariel. I'm Brian. Don't mistake this podcast for anything remotely helpful or educational. So the world of No Good Parents is based in reality that doesn't really exist. Yeah. In... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In our world of no good parents, there are no rules and there's no such thing as child abuse. Yeah. Just, you know, think parody if you want. <laughs> I mean, listen, she almost lost the kids she sits. I mean, come on. Just saying. Now, I didn't. She was, she was literally under her bed. <laughs> didn't just, leave her you, room. <laughs> listen, you're just saved here because you found her. Uh, but if you are looking for genuine expert advice on parenting, uh, there are plenty of podcasts out there just, you know, just for you, as exactly what you're looking for. Sadly, this isn't that podcast. All right. And this this episode, we're going to talk about uh, kids in school, the trials, tribulations, and sometimes heartbreaks of going to school. So <laughs> let's get into some scenarios. Our first scenario, your four-year-old has just started preschool. She's very cooperative when getting ready and seems calm and happy about going to school right up until she gets to the drop-off line and then it's time to say goodbye for the day. Uh-oh. A lot of us have been there. Uh-oh. So sometimes she pitches full-on temper tantrums and needs to be dragged kicking and screaming to the door. What do you do? Oh, poor baby. Poor, sweet baby girl. 
Um, as I've said before, if you've listened to any other episodes of No Good Parents podcast, you know that I'm a big advocate for meditation. So I think that this is a great opportunity to teach some meditation uh, skills to your preschooler. Um, because the issue here obviously is that she is sort of losing her cool. She's not able to keep calm and meditation is very helpful to keep calm. So maybe um, what I would do is recommend sort of getting there just a little bit early and taking some time to just meditate together in the car before going up to the door. And then hopefully she'll just be more in a peaceful state and ready to huh. ready to accept that her education at school is happening at that point. Yeah, so do you have a lot of success with getting young children to meditate? Um, Brian, this is, this is obvious. Uh, children are excellent at meditating. They are little sponges huh. and they, they learn so quickly. <laughs> well, I mean, as you might imagine, I, I would probably go in a different, you know, route here. Um, I, I think there are probably like two ways to handle the scenario. And this isn't like an either or solution. Both of these techniques need to be employed in tandem. All right. So the first thing you do, uh, parents and preschool teachers need to work together to shame this unacceptable behavior. Because I think that's what kids respond to. Um, pointing and laughing at the child as she throws her temper tantrum. Very effective, especially, especially if you can get her classmates to join in. On the shaming peer pressure, again, very effective. Like maybe the teacher could even like encourage the class to give her a nickname that will stay with her forever. <laughs> Something like crying Kathy, tantrum Tawny. That either of those would work. Horrible. Here. That sounds horrible. Listen, this is this is the kind of thing though that will teach her that you know people I think are watching and you can't you can't act poorly in public. That won't that won't necessarily teach her any sort of uh, self-soothing techniques. I think that's just going to teach her that she gets a lot of attention for making a scene. And she might uh, seek out that attention on purpose. No, I think that's negative attention. And you didn't you didn't hear the second in tandem with this whole thing or second part. See, because I think kids, unlike you, Ariel, I think kids often get too comfortable at home. And that really messes them up when it comes time for drop off. Right. Because now they're you know going and it's not going to be all comfortable at home. So the best way to cure this, in addition to the previous step of shaming the child, uh, you make the child very uncomfortable in her own home. So like home shouldn't be like this loving, nurturing place for her anymore. It should be a den of misery. So that child will feel like school is an escape from the brutality of the home. So, for example, if you were to stop feeding your child, then eating would be a really great benefit of going to school, especially preschool, right? Because they give you they give you all the snacks all day. So See, it's really I difficult to really disagree. I think that there should be harmony and peace at home. There should be harmony and peace in that transition period, and then harmony at peace and peace at school. I just I just don't believe there's harmony and peace in the world in general. And and by the way, starving the kid at home makes a lot of sense because. Like, and you, you, this is science, right? She's going to be tired because she hasn't eaten. I'm just saying. So she can't throw a tantrum. And if she does, it'd, it'd be like a little tantrum, not like a, like a big one. Falls asleep in the car on the way to school. Then you have a sleeping child that you're dropping off at school. Well, she'll be malnourished. So, I mean, she'll still be tired even after she wakes up. I'm just, listen, I'm not saying you do this forever. Cause obviously that would, would be abuse. But like in this case, you're just doing it to correct the behavior. And then you <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, let's move on. Your teenager used to get good grades, had a perfect attendance record up until this past semester. Now it seems her grades are slipping, especially in math, and you find out that she's been cutting class. What do you do? Hmm. I think in this scenario, it's, it's good that you're finding out early, right? So you can nip this in the bud before your teen spirals out of control. Right. Because right, you're just starting, you know, she'd been doing well and now she's not uh, all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. um, so I think going to public school is kind of a privilege, like when you think about it, because they're, they're kind of liberal with the rules for conduct on campus compared to other types of schools, mm. like, a, like a, a parochial school, for instance, a lot more strict. <laughs> so, you know, you need to take everything away from the child. That That's the big thing, right? Because the child messed up and isn't taking her job seriously, her job being getting good grades at school. So right. the phones, tablets, computers, everything gone. Um, friends are most likely having a very negative influence on her. So you need to make her cut all ties with her friends entirely. All right, no ifs, ands, or buts. And I also think it's very helpful to get some brochures from like military schools and like convents and just like leave them around the house, just to sort of strewn about. Um, just so to mess she with sees her? Them. No, she sees them and knows that you're considering sending her away for being an awful child. <laughs> I mean, I think that uh, the issue here that isn't being addressed by any of your tactics, any of the, the tactics that you're using to deal with <laughs> the problem, like punishing her, I think that you need a coping strategy. You need to help work with her to, to develop a long-term plan for dealing with whatever she has going on. Obviously, teenagers are uh, secretive and don't necessarily want to open up to their parents emotionally. So uh, cutting them off from their friends sounds like a terrible idea because those are probably the only people that they're talking to <laughs> about their problems. Well, that's the point. They eventually start talking to you because no I don't else. think that that works. I think they just start cutting themselves and starving themselves and killing themselves. Now, um, see, like when you say it like that, though, you make it sound like a bad thing. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Oh, I know you actually were saying, OK. Yeah. Uh, so I think that uh, in this scenario, what I would use to help my teenager cope with whatever is, is sort of co trying to help my teenager cope with whatever emotional issue is going on without forcing her to talk to me, because obviously she hates me and thinks I'm a huge loser. Um, <laughs> and I would. No, I mean, that's fair. I mean, like I, I'll give you that. That's fair. It's I think what teens generally think about their parents. Yeah. Huge loser. Doesn't want to talk to me. Uh, I think I would encourage her to journal. I would get her a bunch of journals um, they could have whatever her favorite thing is on them. I don't care, but maybe writing about whatever she's got going on that is causing her this like emotional turmoil. That's clearly the root cause of her messing up in school. And it, I think that would really be the strategy best it, used. It's, it's interesting because uh, I think it's sort of one of these uh, sort of newfangled philosophies of, of parenting. And, you know, this idea that the kid is only acting out uh, because the kid is going through struggle or strife and not because they're 
just being teenagers. Struggle and strife is just part of the world. You know, it's uh, like the Buddha said, that's just samsara, you know? I, I, I don't really know how samsara, like what that is, first of all, or secondly, <laughs> how that equates to this situation or, or lends itself to this situation. But, but I just, you know, I, I tend to think the kids being bad are just kids being bad that need the behavior corrected. I, I, so I'm just saying like, you know, like if she comes home with an F and I go out, well, you know, she had a hard time with that subject matter. We got to make sure that she does better. Like we got to make sure she knows this better. She comes home with two Fs. She's skipping school and she's cheating. I know. Like I just, you know, I have nothing for her anymore. Um, I probably wouldn't even love her anymore. Cause that's just how I roll. Um, well, you know, you, you get one offense and then once I talk to you about it, you do it again. And I'm just, you know, I'm done with you. Um, but so, yeah, I know. I just, I, I assume that the, you know, the teen in this case is at fault and not, you know, struggling with life. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll move on. Move on. Uh, our next scenario, you find out from your 10 year old's teacher that he is participating in bullying a kid in his class. Now he isn't the ringleader in teasing and cyberbullying, but he's one of a group of kids who are taking part in these harmful activities. What do you do? Okay, so I really think in this scenario, uh, we need to be teaching empathy, first of all. We need to be teaching empathy to kids, and it's really hard to do. Um, depending on his astrological sign, there's uh, different, oh boy. different methods for really sort of instilling that value of empathy because different astrological signs, as I've talked about before, um, are different kinds of people. So if you're... Mm. If your kid <laughs> is a fire sign, like an Aries, Sagittarius, um, what's the other fire sign? Leo. Aries, Sagittarius, Leo, fire sign. Mm. Um, your kid is probably going to respond best to uh, really heavy praise for positive signs of empathy. So when you're, when your kid does something that is demonstrating empathy, just shower them with praise because they have massive egos that just need to be fed. Hmm. Um, like hmm. a fire that needs to be stoked. If your child's a water sign, first of all, this, this is surprising because water signs. So cancers, Pisces, Scorpios tend to be the most sensitive, um, the most in tune with emotions and the most naturally empathetic. So it would honestly be quite shocking. If yeah, it's probably never happened in the course of human history, actually. <laughs> for uh, a water sign to be a bully. I yeah, it never happened. If your water sign child is participating in bullying, you have to look to the kids around your kid and figure out who is influencing your kid. Who are they trying to um, be close to by participating in this? So air signs, it's interesting because air signs tend to be the most uh, intellectual, the most uh, cerebral in the galaxy. And if your kid is an air sign, it's always gonna be easier to have a conversation with your kid and sort of explain things from an intellectual, logical perspective. Mm. And you have to make sure that they truly understand 
a situation and what's going on. So once they have that understanding, I think that it's, they're going to sort of back off from the bullying. Well, um, I don't know if I agree with any of that. I mean, I, I will, I think we both agree. This is obviously unacceptable behavior. I mean, you put in all that yeah. hard work, you know, try to teach him how to be good young men. And then you find out that he's not even the ringleader. It's unacceptable. <laughs> it's just, it's just, this very scenario is just, oh, it makes my blood flow backwards. Uh, uh, the social order in school. I should have known that your issue was going to be with your kid being the beta. I don't, I don't want my kid being a, a follower. I just, I don't. Um, I think this, the social order in school is very similar to the social dynamic in like, let's say a prison. Now, you know, in this situation, a real alpha kid would beat up the ringleader and take over the leadership role and just do it better. That's, you know, there's no honor in beating up or like picking on the beta kid, right? That's not an alpha thing to do. Be better. You know what I mean? So I just, I think you pick on another bully and you break that bully. And that's how you assert your dominance as a young man. You take down another alpha. <laughs> so says the Aries. Let's and maybe, move on. And then maybe you go to the bathroom <laughs> on them, right? Just saying. Thanks for joining us on the No Good Parents podcast. We're going to get right back into some scenarios after this. Are you tired of having to clean your baby's bottom? Wasting money on wipes and disinfectants, all while still getting baby poop all over your hands, clothes, and furniture. Well, with the Baby Bidet Blaster, you can literally clean the out of your baby. Just remove your baby's diaper, open the hose, and clean the out of your baby. Not only is this good for parents and caregivers, but it's fun for the whole family too. Want an older sibling to help with the baby? Let them open the hose and clean the out of your baby. Your older children will thank you for the chance to help clean. Say goodbye to gagging and say hello to the cleanest baby bottom in the world. Does your baby's poop cement itself to the skin like spackle and paste? Not to worry, with Baby Bidet Blaster's patented blasting technology, your baby's tushy will be blasted with a million pounds per square inch of water pressure. That's enough pressure to wipe out the nastiest of hangers on. Don't get poop all over your hands. Get the Baby Bidet Blaster and clean the your baby safety harness and helmet sold separately clean the out of your baby with the baby bidet blaster welcome back to no good parents this week we're talking about kids and their adventures or misadventures at school so in this scenario your preschooler has a habit of forgetting her belongings at school she regularly leaves her lunchbox, jacket, headbands, and water bottles in the classroom, and you don't find out until you're already home. What do you do? Mm. So um, and there's two things that I think need to be addressed here. One, is your child getting enough brain food? Are you uh, consuming <laughs> enough omega? <laughs> well, then... Are you okay? I, I I was just taking a sip, and I wasn't I wasn't prepared for brain food. Brain food. Please continue. Um, you know, blueberries, omega threes, like in salmon. Is your is your kid eating enough salmon and almonds? Like all of the foods that sort of give your brain the right fuel that it needs in order to be in proper 
functioning order. Um, So assuming that your diet is on point, you're eating all of the right things in order to have optimal brain function. um, I think the right thing to do if you are observing that kind of brain healthy diet is, uh, you know, you need to use a little bit of magic and cast a memory charm <laughs> on, on your child. So, um, yeah, because, <laughs> you know, y- you don't want to have to keep reminding her over and over and over again. Uh, so just doing the charm one time is going to give you results that last, hopefully. Um, the moon has to be full for this one. So make sure you check your lunar calendar. Or are we getting another spell? Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> I'm taking notes. What you got? So in order to, uh, this is a spell to enhance your child's or any person. So you're, the target of your spell is the person whose memory you want to uh imprint a message on so in this case you want to imprint the message of remember your belongings in order to do this spell you need a green candle a white candle you need uh, obviously you need to cast your circle with with some sage cleanse the space obviously light the candles and uh you can (laughs) use whatever magic words you want for this one. Oh, I can make it up as I go. Make it up. Um, but the incantation that you need, oh, you need um, you need an object of theirs. So something that you've pulled from their room, like um, something that preferably something that is going to touch their skin a lot so that it really like sticks to them. With this object, you say whatever magic words you want, but sort of instilling that idea of you must remember to collect your belongings. For example, little child, remember your belongings. Bring them home from school because they are yours to cherish. Something like it should that. rhyme though. You could, yeah, you could make it rhyme. I, I didn't, I didn't write one that rhymed. I didn't have time, but uh, you could do yours better. So I, so when the kid forgets stuff regularly. I just, the aerial plan. Make sure you're eating brain food. To consult the diet and do magic on a full moon. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, how have you not written a book? I don't understand. (laughs) That's why we're doing this podcast, obviously. Obviously. (laughs) Showcase my brilliance. (laughs) Well, we couldn't get publishing deals, so I guess this makes sense. (laughs) I I just, like, I object so hard (laughs) to the idea that these things that she's leaving at school are hers. I've said this a million times. I'll say it again. Children don't know. They don't own anything. Their parents do. So I would think of this as she's leaving my stuff at school and that just won't do your hair bows. Yes. If I bought them, they're mine. Uh, So I think it's best here to call the teacher, right? Because teachers got to have a part in this. And then, and then you suggest that the teacher distribute the girl's belongings amongst her classmates. Perhaps her classmates will care more for those things than the girl did. I'm just saying. And additionally, because she's neglecting to care for her school items, 
I feel that you should do the same with her favorite things so that she understands that actions actually have consequences. For example, I would take whatever stuffed animal or toy that makes her feel safe and comfortable. And I would just leave it at, I don't know, let's say the gas station or in a fireplace on a cold night. I'm I just saying that I'm going to try and do a memory spell on you. Well, listen, just don't take away my memory of accountability. Okay. Cause I think that's important for kids to learn. Yeah. I'm going to do the opposite, the opposite of the, the mem- memory spell, the, the forget spell. I think age is going to beat you to it. So don't worry. <laughs> All right. Um, your seven-year-old has just gotten really into reading. Ooh, the dream. <laughs> but now he never wants to play with his friends or spend any time doing stuff with you. All he wants to do is sit in his room and read. What do you do? I'm... Okay. Are you trying to figure out if this is even a problem? I don't think it is. <laughs> okay. See, I figured you might say that. And listen, I get it. I know that reading is important, mm-hmm. but I just think that we put way too much emphasis on it <laughs> entirely. They read plenty in school. Besides, reading's not going to help him become a star quarterback or land the head cheerleader or be popular enough to really enjoy the quote unquote best years of his life. Young boys should be learning how to be leaders and not bogged down with academics. So is to be- he's not going to learn that from reading The Art of War? Or what about The Prince by Machiavelli? No, no, he's not. not listen, learn that, those things. He's going to le- he's going to learn reading about somebody else doing it, not from doing it. He's got to do so, it. Do you know? You know, uh, you know, like you can you can watch LeBron James and be like, wow, I'm watching somebody be great at basketball. Or you could just go be great at basketball. I'm just saying, why watch somebody else do it? You could do it. I think a boy's job is to you know be obedient to his parents and just have fun and be mischievous without any real consequences for his actions. You want your and what book is going to teach him how to do that? You teach, you teach boys how to be leaders by not holding them accountable to all the mischievous things they'll do. And I'm not really comfortable by the way, with all the ideas that are taught in those books, you know, like what they call the classics. I have no interest in pre-reading these books to make sure that he's not going to be learning things I disagree with. So I just think he's going to have to drop the books. He's going to have to pick up a sport. Okay. Um, I really don't think, I think that every child is a beautiful snowflake and we should just let them be themselves. Like, I don't think we should be overly concerned with, oh, he's not, he's not socializing enough or he's not uh, doing sports or any of that. I mean, I think if he, if he's really into reading, let him be into reading. Um, he might grow out of that at some point. And then if you tried to take that away from him, he will have never had a reading phase. Reading's, reading's great, but, but I'm just saying. Brian, I think it's time for no good news. Of course, it's time for no good news. Uh, now, if it's your first time joining us on the No Good Parents podcast. Uh, no Good News is a segment that features parents in the news, um, not necessarily doing good things or bad things, just doing anything that we can talk about. And for this episode, uh, we're talking about a dad whose 16-year-old daughter had been bullying a girl at school. Ooh. The girl uh, that's being bullied at school has cancer. And, and so this dad found out that his daughter had been bullying a girl with cancer. Um, Dad was obviously furious. He decided that he was going to shave his daughter's head as punishment, which he did. And he wonders if maybe he took the punishment a little too far. So 
What do you think? Okay. So I do think that his heart was probably in the right place with this. Um, you know, obviously what he wants is to instill that value of empathy in his child. Oh, back with that big fancy word. Empathy. So trying to teach empathy by putting her in a situation where she relates to this, the situation of this poor girl that his daughter was bullying. Um, however, empathy is not something that I feel you can force upon someone. You cannot force someone to feel empathetic. Um, you can only try to teach empathy through example, through meditation, through journaling, uh, so shaving the head, um, right or wrong in terms of a parenting choice, I don't think it probably would work like not, not an effective strategy for teaching empathy. Hmm. Okay. I mean, it's interesting. Um, and I, I, I I'm, I'm not going to argue with you on any of those points. I, I'm just going to present the opposite you know, opinion here. Um, cause I think he did the right thing. Now, I often think the whole bullying thing is exaggerated greatly, but you don't mess with anyone fighting cancer. Um, it makes sense to me to pick on weaker, uh, weaker people. Uh, this girl, though, is fighting cancer, and there's nothing weak about that. I, you know, I talk a lot about the whole alpha thing and, and being a leader. There's nothing tougher in my mind than, than a, a particularly a young person fighting cancer. Um, yeah. So, again, you know, Picking on that is, I just think it's inexcusable. It's not something a leader or an alpha would do. Um, I So I don't think the dad went like too far. As a matter of fact, I, I kind of think he didn't go far enough to punish his awful daughter. Uh, maybe dad should have shaved her eyebrows as well. Uh, whatever else. I mean, I just think he should have made it a lot worse for her. Because uh, I think at 16 years old, this guy's daughter should know right from wrong. And she's obviously a lost cause. This dad now has to accept that he raised a terrible human being with absolutely zero home training. And I mean, frankly, he should just dump her off on a doorstep somewhere. Oof. See, I would, I, I would advocate for some compassion. You know, being a teenager is hard, but. Uh, being a teenager is not harder than being a teenager fighting cancer. Definitely. Sorry, it's just not. That's true. All right. You know, let's get to the good stuff. Okay. Kid food and beverage pairings. So every every episode we pick a, a kid-friendly food and some not-so-kid-friendly drinks that we want to pair together. Um, this week we're going to do peanut butter toast. Mm, num, 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 num. Every dog's I mean, favorite. I'm, <laughs> I'm excited for that. I, I do I do like peanut butter toast. I actually, like a couple of months ago, turned my uh, oldest son onto peanut butter toast. Your older son had never had peanut butter. He, I don't. I, I think I like. I tried to give it to him a couple of times. I think he just didn't like He's it. He's not excited he, about it. He 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 took one bite, and I mean, it's, it was like love at first bite. Uh, only I mean, it's it was so like simple, the seven thousandth time he tried it, but he he really enjoyed it. It's simple, but it's delicious. And I would also say, like, it's you know, like for me when I think of peanut butter and like bread, um, I obviously think where's the jelly, right? Because I mean, there's nothing. It, it's it's such a common thing. We have peanut butter and jelly like as kids all the time. Mm -hmm. And we forget how wonderful that flavor is together. I don't know if you've ever had that in a donut. Um, uh, I went to one of them gourmet donut places. In a donut, but I do like a peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Like a peanut butter, butter and jelly, jelly donut is amazing. And when you have it Provided in a donut. that, uh, you know, we've got organic whole wheat bread and. Oh, I mean, obviously, obviously. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> even know if they sell anything, whatever. Um, so I think realistically, if you're going to do peanut butter and like toast and you want to enjoy something, you got to do something sweet um, okay. to fill in for the jelly. So I recommend a very, very, very cheap Zinfandel, you know, like those ones they're like oversweet and fused with like strawberries or something. Like a like a peach wine. They have like yeah. They make wines with other other fruit involved, not just grapes. Yeah, well, I'm just like anything that's like you know it, it's got, but it's got to have that sort of sweet tang to it, like a grape okay. jelly would. Um, also, because you know, like I'm not the greatest oh. wine connoisseur. <laughs> But I would say if you wanted to pair it with okay. something a little stronger, an old-fashioned works well. Peanut butter, whiskey, together, complete underrated pairing. Interesting. And the old-fashioned, oh. you get the orange in there, so it really, it all works together. That does sound nice if you're into whiskey. That mm-hmm. sounds like a treat. Okay. So I I have two also. Um, Much like you, I thought something sweet, sweet but not necessarily uh, overly sweet wine, just because I wouldn't, I wouldn't drink it. Um, (laughs) Not touching it, (laughs) but uh, like an Oregon Pinot Noir, like something very fruity, something like light bodied with peanut butter toast. So Hmm. like a nice red that you can actually see through if you are holding it up to the light, you can see through it. So light red, light mm. fruity red, or my second option, I think you'll like this one. Ooh. Um, go with something like a white Russian, something milky. Huh. Actually, you wouldn't like it because it would really hurt your body. <laughs> but, but, but the whole theory, milk thing, yeah, that's, yeah. Because you have a peanut butter peanut butter toast. If you're a kid, you might have it with a glass of milk. So as a grown up, why not have it with something boozy but milky, creamy, maybe sweet? Yeah, you know, I mean, I could, I got, I don't agree with a lot of the things you say, but that one makes sense to me. <laughs> I, you know, I could see oh that working. Gosh. Well, let's end this on one <laughs> random note of agreement here tonight (laughs) thank you so much for joining us on the no good parents podcast do not forget to like subscribe um tell your friends Uh, also if you uh, would like to contribute any scenarios uh, for us to give our expert uh, advice on uh, you can reach out to us questionable advice Well, listen, you know, sometimes to get to the solution for whatever your issue is, you got to hear some bad ones. So our solutions might might help. Probably not, but it might. But either way, find out for yourself. Just, uh, you know, tell us what the scenario is. Just reach out to us at nogoodparents at gmail.com. Here, here. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. That, but yeah, we'll Why not? see you next week. Bye.